0: Hello and welcome to another Self-Kindness with Pete. I am Pete Sibley and what a perfect way to start. Uh, This is the third time I'm recording this intro because I keep getting distracted and uh, that happens with an ADHD mind, but it it happens with everybody's mind and I think maybe it's a perfect way to jump into today's conversation around self-kindness and putting down what you've been carrying. you know, I've been working on recently something that's going to go out to, first, my clients. I hope to be able to make it available to everyone out there on a larger scale. But um, I've been working on this workbook, if you will, with major themes and ideas that come up again and again with self-kindness so that the people that I'm working with um, can continue to deepen their practice even when we're not sitting one-on-one. And that's even my hope for you if you are listening to this podcast and you're just getting, you know, if you're getting something useful out of it, that my hope is that it is something that's applicable, something that you can come back to and reflect on. I hope that, you know, the the guests that I have on, when I do have guests, are, you know, we're really exploring and expanding this idea of self-kindness. What does it look like in your life? And one of the things with self-kindness is that comes up a lot is this idea that of us beating ourselves up. And, you know, one time I was asked when I was uh, invited to be on another um, podcast, the, the host asked me, you know, Pete, why is it so much easier for us to be kind to other people than it is to do it to ourselves. And, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons, but the main reason is, like, we don't give ourselves the same benefit of a doubt that we give to other people. You know, we hold ourselves to different standards. It's like, yeah, you know, we could see a friend and how they messed up or they forgot to call us or, you know, whatever. They did something. And it's like we're able to find a little bit more grace, more quickly with them, with other people, than we are with ourselves. And I believe it's this reason that I want to talk about today, this theme, this idea of how our awareness and how our ability to notice helps us see when we are continuing to carry something, and that it's time to put it down. And so what we continue to carry about ourselves, what we can't, why we can't extend that kindness as readily to ourselves is, it's like, well, you know, I may have done this thing, but, like, if you really knew the truth about me, if you really knew this, this, and this, and this, and this, and, oh yeah, those things too, you wouldn't be as quick to forgive me as, as, you know, as you might be. And, What that is, it's our own brain holding these stories in a context in when the way that we're telling the stories about ourselves that don't let us, you know, put it down. If we've made a mistake, if we've done something that feels like, uh, you know, we could have, should have, would have done it differently now than we did back then. And it's like we hold on to that rather than using the practices that i teach in a self kindness practice that help us to put those things down lay them down and allow them to be in the past and we don't forget about them we continue to learn from them but they don't you know infect how we live our lives moving forward we it doesn't infect our ability to extend that kindness towards ourselves and the reason why it's so important to be able to extend that kindness towards ourselves just like we do for other people is because of how that then makes the you know creates the world around us byron katie who i absolutely love and adore and i use a lot of her process in the coaching that i um utilize um her process of self-inquiry of questioning everything, questioning everything. Meaning like the thoughts in her head that tell her that she did it wrong or that, you know, the thoughts in the head that are beating her up. And I've heard her say, you know, she wanted so badly to change the world, you know, even if it's wanting to change the world for good. And how or what she did was she began to question her thoughts. So, I tested that theory out myself. I wanted to change the world, and I went about it by changing the thoughts in my head by questioning them. Question the thoughts in my head, and they let go. They get put down, the, and we no longer carry them. So a story that I wanted to use to illustrate this is it's a well-known story in kind of... Um, people who are maybe into self-help books. It shows up a lot. It's a Zen Buddhist story or a parable. And it's about two monks and a woman. And it goes like this. It says that two monks were traveling together, a senior and a junior. They came to a river with a strong current where a young woman was waiting, unable to cross alone. She asks the monks if they would help her across the river. Without a word, and in spite of a sacred vow that he had taken not to touch women, the older monk picks her up, crosses the river, and sets her down on the other side, dry. The younger monk joins them across the river and is aghast that the older monk has broken his vow. But he doesn't say anything. An hour passes as they travel on, and then two hours, and then three hours go by. And finally, now the younger monk is quite agitated and he can't stand it any longer. And he finally says, Master, why did you carry that woman when we took a vow as monks not to touch women? And the older monk stops and smiles and replies, I set her down hours ago by the side of the river. Why are you still carrying her? We do this all the time. Something happens in our lives. Uh, You know, somebody does something to us and we remember it. We carry it. We hold the vision of the time and the place when they wronged us or when we see where we didn't act the way that we wanted to. We didn't speak up in the moment when we had the chance and we carry that You know, we carry that forward for hours, for days, for weeks, for months, for years. So what are you still carrying? And how do you begin to put it down? If you've been carrying it this long, some of us, just like we don't even know that this is something that we're carrying. So one more thing to help set this up, this practice of, noticing and becoming aware to help begin to put these things down, whatever the thing is that you feel that you're carrying and you're ready to put down. Again, a self-kindness practice is about asking yourself, do I want to put this down? Am I ready to put this down? And first, we need to know if we are carrying something. So I was thinking on this, and I noticed that something that I used to talk a lot about, um, maybe even on this podcast, is this idea between experiential life and conceptual life. Now, as adults, we are very adept at the conceptual part of our lives. We are able to organize in our brains these brilliant brains. We can hold on to schedules. We can think about the kids' soccer practice tomorrow. And we can also reflect on what a great uh, you know, hike we had with the dog over the weekend and how we really should do that again. We can hold on to all these ideas while we are sitting maybe in front of a computer typing an email to a colleague. So the conceptual mind is a brilliant thing. And I believe it's also part of this larger connection to the thing, whatever that is, that's larger, bigger um, than us. Whatever that that part of me that believes in spirit or divine, I believe part of the connection happens through my mind. I also believe it happens through my heart, but that's uh, that's you know maybe another podcast. But for now. I'm reminding you that you are incredibly adept at being a conceptual human being, meaning you can hold this wide breadth of concept in your mind. Now, what I want to point to is that's not how we begin on the planet. We begin as experiential beings, as a baby stumbling around, one of my little kids stumbling around when they first came up to a door and I would say, you know, sweetie, this is a door. It's a door. And I would point to it and say door. And my kid had no clue what I was talking about. They like open it and then slam it. And then if they know how to open it, they open it again and then they slam it and then they watch how it swings on hinges and they might lean over and nibble the side of the door and lick it. And, you know, they try to look under it. And this is all how they learn and we learn the experience of a door, what a door does. A door opens, it closes, it can slam, it can lock. You know, all of that, there is an experiential learning. Now, one day, the two merge, right? Someone says door and you get it. You're like, oh, door, the thing that opens and closes, and sometimes it's made of wood, sometimes metal, like door. All of your experience of door goes right into the word, or la porte, or whatever your language might be. Um, uh, so it becomes two things, and slowly you are, you know, supported in this world to use the concept be more about understanding the concept than the actual experience of it so that is the understanding of just what we're doing the reminder you already knew this you know that to experience something is how you learn it and also the words the concept is how you can talk about it express it it's a brilliant Aspect of who we are as human beings. But as the amazing author uh, and spiritual guru Eckhart Tolle says um, in his book, The Power of Now, he said, You can study honey. You can know all about the word honey, the origins of the word honey. You can do a dissertation on honey and how honey is created by bees. But if you never taste honey, You know, what do you have? And so the same thing goes with self-kindness. A lot of times my clients will talk and will even actually be into the coaching container itself for a period of time. And we're still talking about self-kindness. And me as a coach, my invitation is to continue to Show the skills and the how-to and all of the things that lead up to self-kindness, but eventually it is the client themselves, it is you yourself that needs to take this in and make it your own to actually experience the self-kindness, to actually experience the self-appreciation, to experience what does it feel like to trust my opinion in this moment. That is the next level that's where we're going to to take this brilliance you know we know how to learn experientially we've all done it we know how to conceptualize something we all have done it and now to put the two into action to work together we can experience a life feeling that we have conceptualized so here's what i mean you might conceptualize something that's going to happen in two or three days' time. Maybe you need to give a presentation at work and you start to actually experience right here and now the panic, the fear, the worry of something that's three days ahead. Now, we all do this, but are you aware of it? Are you noticing that you are doing it? Are you, ca- are you carrying like that younger monk, without even realizing that you're doing it. And so this is where awareness and noticing become the foundations of a self-kindness practice, of a practice that leads you to being more connected and fully allowing you. So noticing is a practice of that a lot of times I use these two interchangeably, but if I was to really make a distinction, I would say that noticing has more of a giving pause quality to it, of a getting still, of a witnessing aspect. So notice your thoughts. Whereas awareness might have more of an active quality to it, a felt quality to it. So I might say be aware of where the feelings are showing up. Be aware of the sensation in your hand when you put your focus on your hands. And can you feel your hands from the inside out? That's awareness. Both using interchangeably both are essential to begin to have a practice where you can put these thoughts down in my experience i can't put the thoughts down on purpose but what i can do is i can be aware of them i can notice them and in that noticing in that awareness like that byron katie saying when i question them when i Give them that allowance to exist for just a moment before I tried to numb, numb them out, drug them out, drink them down, you know, whatever. Then, of their own accord, like that old older monk who just picks up the woman and puts her down and keeps on walking. Thoughts show up in our mind. We give them attention. And then we keep going. They don't stay on. They don't end up becoming a conceptualized-based fear of the future or a conceptualized uh, shame or embarrassment of the past. We just do them in the moment. And so here are two practices along the lines of what I am talking about. Now, one is a practice for noticing and that is just look at the world around you and give everything you see just a one word name. So, for example, wall, book, or shoe. And anytime your mind starts adding more, like, oh, my favorite book, or these old shoes with a hole in the fabric, you know, just notice. <laughs> there it is. Notice. And bring it back and see if you can just go back to the one-word name. In this way, you begin to train your mind to witness how quickly it begins to spin a narrative out of a simple observation. The next practice for awareness is sitting comfortably and resting your hands, palms up in your lap. Putting your awareness on your hands, and you can close your eyes to do this too, See, or seek to feel the presence of your hands. Or maybe it helps you to think of feeling your hands from the inside. Many people report a tingly feeling after a few moments. This is a direct connection to awareness. It's never any farther than that. So notice. Awareness. These are the ways that we begin to, you know, we're not stamping out. We're not hitting the brakes. What we're doing is we are widening the aperture, widening the capacity where it's like a yes-and gain. It's the new paradigm in which it's not an either-or. I either feel like crap or I feel good. It's like crap is here. Widen the aperture. What is it pointing me to? Is there something to learn here? Is there an opportunity to slow down? Is it, you know, what, what, what? Curious, curious. And when we become curious, when we become open, it's like we can't help but live from our true nature. And in that sense, we put down the burden we've been carrying for so long, and we continue forward. So, I love that you spent this time with me today, my friend. If anything here is of service to you, if you listen to this and you're like, I want more of this. I want this to be something intentional in my life. I want to grow this. I want to do what Pete's saying. I want to do it in real time. That was the calling that came to me. I was like, all right, I get this conceptually. I understand this. I want this to happen real time in my life. I want it to happen when I'm yelling at the dog and I want to widen the aperture. I want to see it when I'm getting frustrated with my kids or with my spouse, you know, or when my car, like the engine light comes on and all of a sudden it's bucking as I'm going down the road. I want it then because it's a beautiful thing to think about and read about as you're about to go to sleep. But it's another thing to actually live it in the world. And if you want to live it, then message me, my friend. Go down to the show notes. There's a link where you can click and you can set up a free consultation where I tell you about the one-on-one coaching container that I'm offering right now for anybody who is ready to do this work. You may have done your work and it's time to jump back in. Or you may have not done any work and it's time to jump in. Either way, this container can hold you because it's all about self-kindness. Not about the person that you have been. It's about something that exists in each and every one of us. And I would love to walk that journey with you. So, will you join me? Again, you can message me, Instagram, self-kindness with Pete, or go down to the show notes and click on the links And I can't wait to talk. Okay, my friends, have a beautiful week. Love you.